Thank you, Todd. I, I know you appreciate the music we get to participate in and praise to the Lord. And we, we concentrate a lot of times on those vocal, and they do a great job. But how about those instruments? Aren't they something? Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. I, uh, there was a time if you didn't play the piano and organ, you couldn't participate. And uh, one of the greatest things that ever happened was to be able to let guitarists and drummers and man, I always dreamed of doing the saxophone. Jan said the Lord did not give me musical ability because I'd have made a fool of myself doing it. But uh, I do appreciate the musicians. I really do. And man, that melody of the old songs to begin with kind of rocks, doesn't it? Amen. Since we don't sing them all the time, when we do sing them now, how special they are. Y'all notice that? And uh, thank you. That's great. How many of you are old enough to remember the television show, and this is trivia, Trivia Pursuit, The Outer Limits? A few of you. Not many of you. Not necessarily that I recommend that you go and YouTube it and look it up. Wasn't that good. But I love the name, The Outer Limits. Now, here's what Jesus did. Jesus came from the outer limits to change the inner limits in our lives. And the title of the message, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I, I just said inner limits. Now, I hope you'll follow me. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And I want to start reading in verse 3 through verse 11. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's Word. You say, you don't do that every time. I know it. I like to mix it up. I like for folks to be on the edge just a little bit saying, what's going to happen next? You know, it it makes us anticipate more. It really does. Listen to this as I read Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, I pray your word would not return void, but it would go forth and accomplish that that you sent it forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. This passage of scripture is one that I think we could preach on for a year each week and never come to the full understanding of it. I believe it's one of the most fascinating passages 
that you'll ever see talking about Jesus. But the part that really intrigued me today is verses 3 and 4. We don't hear that. We usually start in verse 5, let this mind be in you. What mind? Well, Jesus' humility, but listen to verse 3 and 4. We always say, look at the passage of Scripture in its context. What does that mean? It means, is it Old or New Testament? What kind of book was it? Was it a gospel or was it a letter? Was it the book of Acts or the book of Revelation? Was it the prophets or a poetry? You always look at that. Then you find out, read the whole chapter. Read the whole book, look at the verses before and the verses after, and then see if it will develop for you. A lot of times people will take one verse and and they say, what does that mean? And if they had read the first chapter and the next chapter after it, they would have put it together without having to come hear a preacher tell them what it was about. You could know through the greatest teacher in the world, and that's the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And so here it is. Listen at verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit. Look at verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but the interest of others. And then when he says that, let that kind of mind be in you, and he gives Jesus as the example. Now what did Jesus do? He did many things. I just picked two of them out that I want to share with you this morning. The first one of it, what he did for others. What he did for others, uh, his attitude was others. Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but I came to do the will of my Father. Over and over again, he would do things for others. When he would pray, he said, Father, I'm not praying aloud so you can hear me. You can hear me always, but I pray aloud so these around me can hear so you can get the glory. Jesus wasn't even interested in him getting the glory. He wanted the glory to go to the Father. Just like the Holy Spirit who comes and lives within us, the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily want to be talked about. He needs to be taught, but he doesn't want to be talked about. You know who he wants to be talked about? Jesus Christ. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. It's all about Jesus. It really is. The Father sent Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus. And so here it is. Jesus came because of others. Why would he come to earth? Because of you. Because of you. He loves you that much. And I I can't fathom that. I can't fathom God loving me sufficient enough to care about me, but he does, and he cares about you. He cares about others. Salvation Army founder, William Booth, could not be at a meeting because of his ill health. This is the door days before Skype and everything else. So he used the greatest uh, uh, communication system up to that day called the telegraph. And he had one word when it came time. They said, we want to read our message from our founder, William Booth. And the guy got up there and he had one word, others. O-T-H-E-R-S, others. Do you all see what Jesus says here in verses 3 and 4? Others, put others before yourself. Before you talk about what kind of music you prefer, you might need to find out what others prefer. Before you talk about what what version of the Bible you like, you might need to find out what the version others like. Because as Rick Warren said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, it's not about 
me. So why did Jesus come? For you. He came for us. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The other reason he came was to bless and glorify his Father. Now here it is. Let me put it in these words. He came for your good and God's glory. That's why Jesus came. For your good and God's glory. You understand without Jesus there is no hope? Absolutely, there is no hope of eternal salvation apart from Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we can and must be saved. It's only through Christ. If you're looking to be saved some other way, by church membership, by baptism, by tithing, by joining the right church or whatever you might think, you're looking in all the wrong places. It's only in Christ. It's a relationship. I say it on the radio, and Alex, my co-host, say it all the time on the radio program we do. It's not religion, it's relationship. And I don't know how important that is to you. It is, but it's vital to God. God wants a relationship with you. Does that not boggle your mind? That he wants to know you intimately, and he wants you to know him intimately? You remember what he said in John 15? Abide in me, and my word abide in you. And you can ask what you will, and it'll be done to you. Abiding. You know what the word abiding means? It's to means find your life in. The idea is the vine. You know, if the branches are not tied into the, to the vine, they'll produce no fruit. So you've got to abide. The life, real life, is in Jesus Christ and no other. Now, what we should do when we gather together as a church, it should be a bunch of lives coming together to produce even more life. That's why when you leave out of here, you should have gotten right with God and you're ready to go out and live life. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be ready to go back to that job that is hard and difficult and know that Jesus Christ cares about you and you can do your very best at your job and God is working his work in you, producing life. He wants you to go back to your home where you live. It may be you. It may be two of you. Empty nest. It may be a whole house full. But whatever it is, it's life and it's relationships. So Jesus came for those reasons. For your good and God's glory. So what did he do? He purposely, now get this, get this word. In, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Underline that word humbled. I don't usually do Greek language because I found out most folks could care less about how to pronounce it. They just want to know what the Bible says, but it's important. This word is kenosis. It means emptying. The word humble gets that. But it's even bigger than the word humble. It's empty. Jesus Christ purposefully, for his time on earth, gave up some of his attributes to be flesh and dwell among us. He did not give up him being God. But before that, he could appear at any place, at any time, at a moment's notice. But when he became flesh and noticed the word dwelt among us, he dwelt in one place at one time. 
Now, I'm not sure I've had people disagree with me. But I even find that in the, after Jesus' resurrection, he was in what? One body. Now, no longer was he limited in that physical body that he couldn't appear here in one minute and be a hundred miles away in the next minute, but it seems like Jesus could only be in one place at one time, and that's why he says what? It's necessary that I send the Holy Spirit to you. Why? The Holy Spirit can be with those folks in China right now, and he can be with those folks in Ethiopia right now. God can be through his Holy Spirit can be with the people down in Chile right now, as well as Friendship Baptist Church. The Holy Spirit is that. And he says, it's necessary that I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. And you're going to do greater things when the Spirit comes in you. Jesus only came, and he walked beside us. But the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. Amen? I hear folks, oh, if I could have only been there when Jesus... You hadn't missed a thing. You got the Holy Spirit in you. The Spirit of God living in you. And that's the reason he humbled himself and became obedient to the cross that your sins could be forgiven and that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Now, if Jesus voluntarily humbled himself, if Jesus voluntarily put limits upon himself. Guess what we need to do? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I voluntarily limit my freedoms. Now let me give this to you. Take your Bibles, turn if you would to 1 Corinthians, and this is important. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 12. That's over toward the front of your Bible. Just a few pages over. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. What I'm going to give you right now, this morning, I've been praying about this. I was struggling what to preach today. I got through a series on David bringing the ark back, and I said, Lord, where do I need to go? I felt like I was to go to the New Testament, but I wanted something that would really help you. Because... Satan is really attacking the family, missions, and ministry. And we need to be equipped to stand and be strong. I pray that what I'm going to give you, five things I'm going to give you that would just make the biggest difference in your life. It made the big, a big difference in my life. I hope it will yours. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Now this will blow you away. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. Paul wrote, all things are lawful. That's called the liberty. The liberty that we have in Christ. God's Bible is not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's a love book. And any time God says, do this or don't do this, guess who benefits from it? Me. God does not want to hold anything back that is good for you. Young people, God doesn't want to hold anything back that's good for you at the right time. 
I'm thankful that when I was in the second grade, the teacher didn't start teaching me calculus. I'm glad I had to learn one plus one is two. Before I learned these, I, made, I majored in math for two years. I have five, five credits in calculus. Now, I couldn't tell you anything about it right now, but I passed it all right. But I'm thankful. I said, man, if I'd have had this in the first grade, I'd have stopped a long time ago. God doesn't put upon you at the beginning what he'll put upon you later on in life. Young people, you think it's tough now? Wait to get to be old. Let me give you an example. Abraham. When Abraham was halfway young in his territory, he was asked just to leave his father and mother and go to a different country. He did it. But when he was older and had a son, he was asked to go to a mountain and lay your son's life on the sac- as a sacrifice. You see, God knows what he's doing. So when God is denying you the privilege or the liberty to do something right now, young people, sex outside of marriage, it's for your benefit. Not for your harm. When God says, wait until marriage to have sexual relations, it is for your benefit, not for your harm. When God shares with you, don't look upon the wine when it's flowing. It harms you. It's for your good, not to keep you away from a high. I've seen some of those highs kill people. Bet you have too, hadn't you, Brad, on the highway? Oh, I just get a buzz. That buzz can lead to butchery. So anytime God limits you, it is for my good and your good. You got that? But Paul says, all things are lawful. I've been saved. God has opened his world up to me. I'm ready. But all things are not acceptable. How many of you glad that everybody else drives down the highway on the right side of the road. Does that give you the right to break that rule and you right go down on the left? Not unless you're in England. You better not do it. You better stay. Aren't you glad that Alabama and Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana all have the rule that you drive on the right side of the road? Can you think what would happen at each state line? Okay. Man, you'd have a mass, mass exit of lives. So God puts limits on you for your good. How many of you believe that? The rest of you, I hope to convince you. Now here it is. There's five things God wants you to look at if you decide you need to do it or not. Believers, especially. Do I need to do this or not? Do I need to participate in this or not? Five tests. The first one is here in, in, in 1 Corinthians six twelve. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. The King James here has, has the more, the Greek word, expedient. How many of you learned in history the Lewis and Clark expedition? 
expedition. What did that mean? That mean they were looking over the Louisiana Purchase, and they left, and they journeyed on their way all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Expedition. All things are lawful for me, but not all things send me on my expedition, on my journey from where God saved me to where God wants me to be when he takes me to glory. That's a journey. Amen? Hope you're on that journey. You get on that journey through Christ. It's an expedition. If it doesn't help you on your journey, you say, man, now how does that work? You remember over in the book of Hebrews, it says we're to run a race. And so we're to take off all those things that would hinder us from running the race that God has before us. Extra weight, unnecessary things, simplify your life. I want to tell you, Dr. Dobson did, James Dobson did this years ago in some messages to families. He said one of the greatest harms to a young family is fatigue and time pressure. Man, when you have young people and they're going this way and that way and you have this and that, man, simplify your life. Jen and I have told it, said, if we had to go over, we had three sons and they played this sport, that sport, this sport, that sport, we'd have put it down to one or two. Having three sons and them playing the ball game all at the same time, one of them was always without one of us. Had to find a way to get there, everything. Sure would have been easier to simplify their life. Simplify your life, young people. I want to just tell you, young couples, doesn't mean you sit out and do nothing, but you simplify. It helps you on your journey. It helps you to have that time at home and not have to do a devotion in the car on your way to a ball game. Have to come home and catch a hot dog or burger rather than sitting around the table together as a family. I just, I'm just going to lay it out there. You don't like it, that's all right. But it doesn't help you on your expedition. All things are lawful, but not all things help me on my expedition. Then look at the latter part of chapter 6, verse 12. B, as I said on the outline. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. I can do all things, but I cannot be let myself be enslaved. I can't let myself be enslaved to the things of the world. Food, alcohol, tobacco, gossip, the internet, Facebook, sports. I had the time of my life this year ignoring NFL football. Now, I did it because they took a knee. They made me mad. I know some of the teams didn't and most of the guys didn't, and I'm proud they didn't. But it just made me mad that the NFL didn't have enough guts to say, guys, stand up. Made me mad. I didn't watch it. I didn't even watch the Super Bowl. I watched the highlights after it was over. (laughs) But I didn't watch the Super Bowl. My television, you know, they keep watching. Used to, they'd do the Nielsen reports. And you'd have to tell, they'd send it out. And we got some every once in a while. What did you watch this week? Now, they know what you watch. Big Brother's watching. They know what you're watching. Man, at my house, it didn't come on during the Super Bowl. 
You act like you're proud of I am. I had showed some discipline that is hard. I wanted to, man. I had the remote in my hand. And all I had to do was... Great game. Philadelphia beat the New England Patriots. Man, the Philadelphia Eagles were filled with Christians. Nick Knowles, is, his ambition is to be a pastor. The coach just got up after it's over and praised the Lord Jesus Christ that 10 years ago he was a high school coach and now he's the Super Bowl coach champion. Woo! Amen? That's pretty good. He said Jesus could only do something like that. I agree with him. But I didn't watch him. Why? Well, I had set some limits for myself. It wasn't necessarily that God told me to do that. I'm not telling you God told me to do that. That was a decision I made. They made me mad. Not all things. Don't let anything be enslaved. Don't be addicted. Everybody says, well, they have an addictive personality. Guess what? All of us do is just according to what it is. Every one of you's got an addictive personality to something. Some of you have given over to it. Alcohol. Pornography. Drugs. Gossip, food, sweets, or peanut butter and crackers. I'm, I'm, I'm letting you in on me. I look at most sweets all day and yawn, but put a peanut butter and cracker in front of me, it's like, <sighs> all of us got them. You got it? Don't you look at me and say, not me. You're lying to yourself if you don't think have the possibility of being addicted to something that can hurt you and kill you. The only way you do it is by setting those inner limits. All night be brought under the power of him. I'm not, some things it's just best not to go there and see. I chose not to drink alcohol. The Bible doesn't make that. If I had it to do over and, ask, and God asked me for my suggestion, I'd give it to him. I'd say, make the 11th commandment, thou shalt not consume alcohol. I hate it. I make no bones about it. Destroyed my brother's life, destroyed uncle's life, destroyed Jan's family's life. Alcohol was hideous, the misuse of alcohol. I hate it. I make no bones about it. I am biased. You say, why didn't you do it? Man, I was afraid to, if you want to know the truth. I had so many alcoholics in the Harper family that I was afraid I might be the next one. And I said, the best way to avoid it is never try it. Amen? It's like unwanted pregnancy for those that are single. Don't have sexual relations. Duh. Took a real brain surgeon to figure that one out, didn't he? In high school, while I was running around with my friends, every once in a while they'd get a beer or other alcohol. Some of them was even smoking joints back then, even that far. They'd do it and they'd say, Bert, you want something? I said, no, man, I, I, I had my excuse. And if you young people want an excuse, don't give you, it kills brain cells and I need every one I got. It worked. They'd look at me, what do you mean? I said, don't you know? 
what that does to your brain cells and your brain cells don't reproduce so you're just killing them off and I need all of mine they'd laugh two of them of my friends played basketball with two of them they died because of the effects of alcohol got another one has all kinds of issues because of alcohol and I remember when they first started drinking they just take a beer here it ain't worth it do I hear an amen it's not worth it I said damn you sure are old fashioned no I'm not old fashioned I'm careful don't go there don't be enslaved I got a rush I there's five of them. You got the first two? Okay. Not all things are expedient. Not all things don't come under anything that does that enslaves you. The third one is in 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me. Isn't that neat? That's great. But not all things are helpful. That's the same word. It repeats that again. But read the latter part of verse 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Now, the expedition is for me. In other words, I need to take off all the weights and all the habits that would hurt me in my journey from being born again to the time that God takes me home. I need to discard all the weights that would even be there. I need to get rid of them. But edification is for others. Edification is for others. That when they see me having victory in my life, we heard a testimony this morning in Sunday school. It gives those who have gone through difficulty hope to see what God can do when God restores. First of all, God restores the relationship with him, and then he restores the relationship with them. You get that? Him, them. That's the way it works in a marriage. Him, them. And he can keep you too. But not all things edify. When I participate in this, how will it affect my spouse, my children, my friends, my church, my testimony? Are you your brother's keeper? Isn't that one of the first questions that was ever asked concerning Cain and Abel? The answer is what? Yes, you are. You're responsible for how you live your life as others are observing. Especially children. Man, they hear and they listen. They know. They're not as ignorant as some of us parents think we are. They even know how to read between the lines. They can connect the dots pretty early on. Don't think they can't. They can are you living your life for others? Isn't that what Jesus said? Paul said, do it for others. And Jesus says, let this mind be in you that he would come and give his life a ransom for you, for others. So here it is. This thing that I'm participating in, this thing that I'm thinking about doing, will it help me along my journey? Will it cause the possibility of enslavement or addiction? If I do this, will this help others grow in Christ and see Christ in me, or will it be a hindrance? Number four, 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, mainly 33. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Listen to that last phrase, that they may be saved. The test of evangelism. Can I be a witness for Christ as I participate in this activity? Can I just tell them about Jesus? Can I tell them about Jesus and how good he is while I'm at a fraternity party and alcohol is everywhere? Can I tell them about Jesus when I go to the staff party and everybody there is looking and telling jokes and and some of them are not so good, dirty? Can I tell that joke and then tell them about Jesus? Isn't that a pretty good question? Can I tell this joke to this person and then the next time tell them about how good Jesus is? Y'all catch what I'm saying? I'm not limiting you. I'm trying to get you equipped so that you can live your life. And God says, when he says do these things, it is for your good. And then finally, and everybody said, (laughs) okay, look at 1 Corinthians 10, 31. This is good. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. Does it exalt God, the test of exaltation? Does it lift up the name of Jesus? What I'm doing, is Jesus smiling at me while I'm doing it? Is Jesus proud of me while I'm doing it? Is Jesus excited about the opportunity that you have to do this? Is it going to exalt the name of Jesus? He said, Bert, that's legalism. No, it's not legalism, it's freedom. It's freedom to do what you need to do in Christ Jesus. That's freedom. Let me give you one or two illustrations. We're going to be through. I've given you all that, and you can fill out the rest and check out everything. I've given you those five things, and you can use them. Is freedom going down the highway at 90 miles an hour without brakes? Is that freedom? Aren't you glad there's limits? It's called speed limit. God wants that. That's right, young man. God wants these limits on us. For our, Are those speed limits against us or for us? It's for us. These limits that God gave Paul to give to the Corinthian church and give to you and me is for our benefit. It's not for our harm. It's not to kill you and harm you. It's to bless you. One other thing. A few years ago, we had the privilege of going out west, driving out west, stopping off at the Grand Canyon. We had three sons. So their whole thing was, here's the cliff. How close can I get to it? And their mother, come back! (laughs) Come back this way! And their daddy said, let's see. (laughs) But there's one thing I'm glad they had. You know what they had around these 
cliffs, some rails. Some sign says, don't go any further at risk of losing your life. They weren't there to keep Bert from enjoying the view. They were there to keep Bert and Nathan, Matthew, and Micah from killing themselves. Y'all catch that? The same thing is true spiritually as it is physically on the highway and at Grand Canyon National Park. Those limits are for your benefit, your benefit, your benefit. Man, guess what? We could look over, we could take pictures, no telling what all we could do there, except couldn't go over the cliff. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. But he doesn't say this, but I'm mad it. Thank God he's put limits on it. In other words, nothing's going to separate you from the love of God if you've really been saved. If you've really been born again, there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All things are lawful. But because I have this real relationship with Jesus Christ, there's some things I'm just not going to do because Jesus says, Bert, you're hurting yourself, you're hurting your family, you're hurting your friends, you're hurting your ministry, you're hurting your church. Don't go there. Don't do that for your good. There's this testimony by a guy named Dave Reaver. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. You can Google it and find it. It's worth mentioning. He went to the Vietnam War. He was over there. He got saved before he went over. Got married. So he went over there with some limits that he wasn't going to participate in. He was there in the barracks. They'd have a weekend. His buddies said, come on, Dave, let's go. We want to go down to this house of prostitution. Come on. We're going to go get drunk and everything. He said, no, I'm staying here. He wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes, but he didn't get participate in that thing. He was faithful. After it was over and they was headed back home, his guys got to him and says, man, you don't know what you missed out on. He said, yeah, I do. I missed on venereal disease. I missed out on hangovers. I missed out on addictions. I sure did miss out on a lot, didn't I? Amen. This world says, come on in and drown. Jesus says, stay with me and live. Poured out my heart to you today. If it seemed legalistic, you are dead wrong. It was just straight Bible. I wasn't picking and choosing. I went through the book of Corinthians and flipped through the book of of First Corinthians and Philippians to look to see as a believer. All things are lawful for me. But I need to be concerned about others more than myself. Yeah, I could do that, but I'm not. Why? I want my testimony to ring true. I want my children to follow me as I follow Christ. I want my church, Friendship Baptist Church, to have a name of people in it that's not hypocrites, that's not self-righteous, but love Jesus. Amen.
been saved, those tests don't help you. Because those tests don't save you. You got it? You say, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run around with them that do. Well, good for you. They're going to hell too. I know that was mean. It's not that. It's a relationship with Christ. And it's only in Him. And when He comes in, He changes everything. Has He changed you? I pray He has. If He's had, He can. Let's pray. Father, I... I just pray you touch people's lives. Father, I'm overwhelmed with you. And I pray that what I've said has been received uh, with, with, with grace and the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. Save that person that is lost. That person that is thinking about entering into a relationship that is wrong. Participating in an activity that you would not be pleased with. I pray that the message today has penetrated their heart and they're giving it a second look. And they'll go to your word and your Holy Spirit and let him and the word deliver them from these bad choices. And Father, if there's people here that's made these bad choices and they felt guilty because, man, I've already blown it. Father, may they come to Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can go out of here clean and free. I can't think of anything better for the believer. Father, I pray you do your work in Jesus' name.